Today's Bible reading comes from Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. The next Bible reading comes from John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is God's Word. Well, good morning, church. We are on the second uh, session now on our series, Proclaiming Jesus. Well, you all by, uh, by now, most of you know that I love watching movies, and particularly a lot of superhero movies lately. Uh, but from time to time, you know, when you watch action movies, there's this typical scene in action movies that is rather frustrating to me. Uh, for example, in Iron Man 2, uh, one time Iron Man and his friend War Machine, so this is called War Machine, I know, very creative name, War Machine, uh, they are surrounded by hammer drones, which is the enemy robots. In the middle of the seemingly losing battle, Iron Man asked War Machine to duck, and he quickly ducked, and Iron Man just stretched his hand, unleashed the laser beams, go out from both of his hands, and he just make a 360 degrees turn, and the, all the hammer drones were sliced into two. And War Machine then says, wow, I think you should lead with that next time. You would agree, right? I thought, you should. And this scene is unfortunately not uncommon in action movies. The heroes are fighting with the enemies, and then when they seem to be losing the battle, all of a sudden there's this one particular hero appeared to this in, in the scene, or one of the heroes unleashes a secret weapon and defeats all or most of the enemies with one huge strike, and then turns the battle around. And then at the end you wonder, why on earth didn't they start with that? You see, this is why today's topic is very important. Because when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to proclaiming Jesus, we also have a secret weapon that is very effective. But yet, many times, we forget to use it from the beginning. And yes, I'm talking about prayer. You know, when we talk about proclaiming Jesus, we must be clear that, well, our message must be clear. Our message must be clear. And Pastor Sam has made it clear last Sunday. But before we go out and proclaiming the gospel, we must pray. 
We must pray. That's why in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6, which is the theme passage for our series, in the first three verses, Paul asked Colossians to do this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in, in it in, with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Paul pleads to them, pleads them to pray because without prayer, he will only be pushing locked doors or even worse, brick walls. Without prayer, our gospel proclamation will bear no fruit. Now, if you are not a Christian, Friends, we are currently on a series called Proclaiming Jesus because we want to be better. We want to be better at telling you about Jesus. He is the hope of the whole world. So we do this because we love you and we sure hope that one day you will follow him as well. So two things today. Why do we pray and what do we pray for? Firstly, why do we pray? Well, firstly, because, because evangelism is a spiritual warfare. It is a spiritual warfare. You know, a number of years ago, someone came to our house and tried to convince us to buy a vacuum cleaner. Uh, he demonstrated how the vacuum cleaner worked. It uses water to trap the dust, so we don't need to replace filters. And what, when the water is dirty, you simply, simply throw the water into the garden and fill it up with fresh water. And because there are no filters, no bags, it doesn't lose suctions. The, message, uh, the, the machine also comes with various attachments, including a carpet washer as well. He tried it on our carpet too. He only tried a bit. I thought maybe try the whole room, but only a little bit. We were convinced. We were convinced that it was a very good vacuum cleaner. Now, evangelism can sometimes feel like trying to sell someone a product by explaining the superior features of the product. Now, it's not totally wrong because the good news of Jesus Christ is superior to other news out there. However, when, selling, when we sell a vacuum cleaner or a car or anything for that matter, you appeal to the mind and you appeal probably the emotion as well. At some point, you manipulate the emotion as well, right? Evangelism, on the other hand, is not a purely intellectual or emotional exercise. We, gotta, we, we have to come to grips with that. With that. Because if, what we think, if we think that evangelism is purely intellectual or emotional exercise, we will end up watering down the gospel. We will end up editing or subtracting the gospel to especially the, the parts that are not palatable. Or we end up manipulating people's emotion just to get them to say yes to Jesus. And in the passage that we read just now, Jesus says this to Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, entering, seeing the kingdom of God here is the same as receiving eternal life or salvation. It means you are going to heaven. And Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot, he cannot be saved. So it is not about intellectual knowledge of the benefits of the kingdom. It's not about emotional connection to the story of the kingdom. There is the element but it's not primarily about that. If you are a Christian, friends, something else has happened internally deep in your heart and soul and spirit for you to see the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul tells us, tells us this, 
that proclaiming the good news of Christ is not simply an intellectual encounter. He says, in, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In, the case, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now this is the month of Ramadan for Muslims. You know, one time during Ramadan, uh, we gave our Muslim neighbor some Indonesian desserts because we know that they usually have some sweets to break their fast. And a few months later, in return, the son came to our house giving us some gifts during the Easter holiday because they know we are Christians. Maria received the gift, and then Maria asked him, do you know what Easter is about? And the boy said, not really. It's about bunnies and eggs. Maria then took the opportunity to explain the boy, to the boy what Easter is all about. You see, this is an example. This is an example how the God of this world is doing a great job in blinding people's minds from seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So friends, we must realize that we are struggling. We are engaging in a cosmic struggle. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is against the spiritual forces of darkness. And people are not convinced and subsequently become Christians only because of your amazing display of intellectual or rhetorical skill. It's not primarily about that. That's why Paul says this, if anyone who can, if anyone who can boast in his intellectual or eloquent speech, it will be Paul. But he says this, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not, proclaiming, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That is why we must pray, because when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. When we pray, we are pleading God to pry open the hands of the evil ones and set people free from the bondage of Satan. And that's the first reason we must pray, because it is a spiritual warfare. And secondly, we must pray because, because only the Spirit can give life. Only the Spirit can give life. Until, when Jesus tells Nicodemus that we must be born again, Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, I used to think that the water and the Spirit here refer to water baptism and the baptism of the Spirit. And I realize now that's not the case, that this is actually the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 36, when Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle, sorry, when God said through Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Just like the spirit gave life in the book of Genesis when God created everything, the spirit also gives new life when God saves someone from sin and from death. Again, sometimes we think that salvation is about 
someone weighing the good news of Jesus against their worldview, and then when they think that Jesus makes more sense or Jesus is more beneficial, then they abandon their old worldview and trade it with Christianity. Of course, there's that element, but something deeper must happen inside. When someone is saved, he's not just a renovated individual. He's a new creation. He doesn't just change worldview. He is a spiritually dead person who has been given a new life in Christ. You know, many of you know that I lost quite a bit of weight in 2020. And until today, from time to time, I hear people commenting, wow, it's a new Sandy. Where's your other half? And they're not talking about Maria, by the way. <laughs> All right. And of course, I'm happy and I thank God for it. But deep inside, I know I'm still me. I'm still the old me. I still love food. My at attitude towards KFC hasn't changed. <laughs> the pastors and the staff members, the, the church staff can see that. I still buy potato chips when it is half price at the supermarkets. I'm still the same old me. When I see food, I gain weight. It's just ridiculous. My son, on the other hand, is the opposite. Every time I went for a retreat or a camp, I gained weight. But we went to our life group Christmas retreat last year, and my son complained that he lost two kilograms. I heard that, I felt the temptation of doing a Will Smith to him. But, <laughs> but I didn't, okay, I didn't, okay, cool. So you see, from the outside, I look like a new person, but I know I'm still the same person on the inside. Salvation, on the other hand, is a new life, is a new creation. That's why Jesus uses the term born again born of the spirit this is how christianity is different from other religions friends if you are not a christian if you are not a christian i want you to know this in other religions you are to jump through hoops to be good enough good enough that the gods will accept you you are on your own you're still the same you but you're required to do what is impossible it's like you are a pig or a hippo or an elephant or anything and they force you to wash and be clean and they tell you not to go back to the mud again. No way. Sooner or later, you will go back to the mud again. Why? Because that's who you are. But in Christianity, the Holy Spirit transforms you from the inside. You are given a new life. You are a new creation. God takes you out of the mud, transforms you, and now you realize that mud is dirty. Yes, there are times that something inside you tells that mud is good, you know, remember the old feeling, remember the good old days. And so yes, sometimes you go back to the mud, you, the old feeling of pleasure, come back for a while, but suddenly you feel yucky again. You, you quickly get out of it and run back to God again. That's what born again is. That is what born again is. And friends, we need to understand this. When we proclaim the gospel, we are not simply inviting people to adopt a new worldview. Rather, we hope that they become a new creation. And that's not your work. That is the work of God through the Holy Spirit. That's why we must pray. You can evangelize until your mouth froths. But without the prayer, without the Holy Spirit changing people from the inside, your evangelism, our evangelism will bear no fruit so i hope this gives you enough reason for you to start going down on your knees and pray just pray so now what do we pray for a few things we need to pray for firstly of course pray for your friends 
pray for people that you're reaching out to. I pray for people that my wife and I are reaching out to because I love them, because I want them to know God and Savior who love them very much. Uh, we pray also regularly for, for the residents in Tarnit because we are planting a church there and we want the Holy Spirit to start moving and we want to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the area. And as parents, I pray for my kids all the time. I pray that God will use the gospel that I proclaim to save them and I pray that the Holy Spirit will give them new birth as well. I teach them the Bible and I tell them about Jesus as if it all depends on me, but I pray to God because if it doesn't move, nothing will happen. So first pray for people around you that you know that they need to know Jesus. Secondly, pray for God to raise the gospel workers. In Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Friends, our hearts must be broken for millions of people who are heading for eternal, eternal fire. We must go down on our knees and pray that God will send people who will proclaim the good news everywhere. And don't be surprised if God sends you. Chances are He will. In fact, we are sent people. We should be sent. We should know. We should know that we are also laborers of the gospel. And thirdly, pray for those who are already out there proclaiming the gospel. Uh, we read it in the we read it in our in our theme verse of this series that when Paul asked the Colossians, at the same time pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery on account of which I am in prison that I make it clear and I may make it clear which is how, how I ought to speak. So in your own prayer time, in your family prayer time, in your life group prayer time, pray. Pray, not just pray for ourselves, but pray for our global partners. Many, we are sending global partners who share the, God, the good news out there. Pray for them. Adopt one, adopt two. Pray for them all. They are already out there proclaiming the good news. Pray for them. And subscribe to organizations like Open Doors, Barnabas Fund, and pray for those who are proclaiming Jesus in difficult places. Pray for our ministries. Alpha is happening. Japanese ministry is reaching out to the Japanese in Melbourne. Pray for all the ministries in our cross-culture because we are proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news every week, every time. So pray, pray for all that. And of course, in your life group, pray for each other as you share the good news to your friends. And fourthly, pray for the authorities. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 4 says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Is that the end game? Just for us to live a comfortable life? No, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of our God Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We pray, we pray that as God leads the authorities, they will come up with policies that will make it conducive for the gospel to penetrate societies and to flourish. And finally, of course, pray for ourselves. Pray for ourselves. Pray that God too will give you the conviction and the courage to go out there and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. 
You know, last week I uh, did a Zoom a chat with a friend, uh, with Surya, uh, about prayer, and this is his sharing. I want you to watch this video and then we'll wrap up. Thanks, Anthony. Good day, Cross Culture. Uh, I'm joined by Surya, and Surya has been part of Cross Culture for many, many years since his student days. And he's sharing today about prayer in evangelism. So, Surya, in your view, how important is prayer in your evangelism? Thank you, Sandy. Hi, Church. Um, to me, prayer in evangelism is actually very important uh, because it shows uh, that we are reliant uh, with God's strength and uh, we are in partnership with Him when we pray and ask Him. And also, it gives us um, guidance and insight from God to be sensitive towards the, the person that we are praying for. Also, prayer is important because then we can ask God to actually help soften um, the person's heart or this particular group of people that you are praying for just to prepare their heart to, uh, to receive the message. Mm, thanks, Luke. Would you mind sharing how you particularly pray for the people you are reaching out to? I have some friends that we are praying particularly um, because we want to share. What I do is I pray for him on a weekly basis. Uh, basically, I pray for courage from God in terms of sharing what I need to share. At the same time, um, I pray that God help me to be gentle in my dealing with this friend. Because sometimes um, this, this friend could be very close to me. So my response or my chatting or my joking around could be a bit rude. Um, so yeah, um, and also I pray that God will soften um, this friend's heart to be able to receive the message and to give clarity um, whenever there is a, an opportunity that we share. Uh, thanks for that, Surya. And how have you seen God working in the life of those you are praying for? For particular groups of friends that I'm praying for, uh, by sharing the, the news, uh, good news, I have not yet seen any transformation or significant changes yet. But I believe uh, we, we need to continue and persevere and pray. One thing for sure, we know that God will hear our prayer and God will certainly work in their heart. Um, so the timing and um, transformation is his, uh, the result is his. The other thing is, um, as I pray for others, God is working more in, in my life. He gives me more courage uh, and strength to share. Also, I become more sensitive when I deal with his friends um, because I know that we, we are an ambassador of Christ that we want to share um, good news and, and love. So uh, I become more gentle and also um, be a bit more attentive. Also look for any opportunity that we can use. Uh, we look for the ability to actually share. So when you pray, God will open up your heart and then you will see all this and you will try to look for opportunity and share with your friends. So, yeah. Mm, that's great. Thanks so much, Surya, for your sharing today. Uh, mm. May God bless you and encourage you as you proclaim Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, so indeed, as we pray for ourselves, God is changing our hearts too. And interestingly, the more you pray, the more you will find opportunities. When you don't pray, you will not find opportunities. But the more you pray, God will open your eyes. So that, thanks, Surya, for uh, sharing with us. So in conclusion, well, I hope you're convinced that prayer is essential in our evangelism. Friends, Easter is approaching. And during this time, some people, especially those who had some church background, will, will, they will think of God a little bit more. 
So pray. Pray that many people will come to know Jesus during this time. Pray for our uh, Easter services. Uh, pray also for the Easter camp. Uh, pray f- that many people will come to know Jesus. And also this is the month of Ramadan. During this time, Muslims believe. They believe that the gate of heaven is open. And they are more receptive towards revelation from heaven. So pray that Jesus will reveal himself to them in a powerful way or even, during, uh, even through uh, people, the missionaries who are working among the Muslims. So pray, just pray. And of course you may ask, so we just pray? We don't do anything? Of course not. God says we are the laborers, so we must pray, but we must also proclaim the good news with our word and our deed as well. Our conduct and our speech are indispensable. And that's what we're going to look at the next time. But for now, let me, let me go back to what I told you about Iron Man, right? After Iron Man unleashes the laser beams, that secret weapon, War Machine says this, right? Wow, I think you should lead with that next time. And Iron Man answered, yeah, sorry boss. I could only use it once. It's a one-off. That's what he said. But imagine if he could use it again and again and again. Wouldn't he use it all the time? You see, unlike Iron Man's laser beam, our prayer is not a one-off thing. We can use it again and again and again and again, and there's no limit. So it would be silly, it would be silly not to use it every time, wouldn't it? So friends, if you call yourself a Christian, who are you praying for regularly? Who are you praying for regularly? And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian listening to this, friends, the reason we pray for you is because we want you to have the best thing, Jesus Christ. We love you and we want you to have that, that new life in Christ. In fact, if you want that right now, if you want that right now, for some reason you are coming to church, for some reason you have been hearing the gospel, but you haven't taken that step yet, you know enough, you know enough, but maybe you don't know everything. Friends, there's no way you will know everything. But what you know, if you feel that that's enough for you to take that jump, to take that plunge, to believe in Jesus, why don't you pray right now? Why don't you make that jump right now? When you're, you're, when you're tired to look to yourself for answers and hope, when you're tired to look around out there for answers and for hope, maybe it's time for you to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus for your salvation and for your forgiveness for your sins. If you're tired of your old life, if you're tired of trying to fix your life with your own strength, friends, why don't you turn from your old life and come to Jesus? And if that's you, if that's you, whether you are here in, in the auditorium or we are watching online, if that's you, I'm going to lead you through a prayer uh, that is written at the back of this bookmark, and I will put it on the screen as well. Nothing sacred or mystical about this prayer. It's not like you have to say these exact phrases for you to become a Christian, no. But it is a representation, it, is, it represents you acknowledging God, believing in Him, and confessing your sins and turning to Him. You can pray with your own words. If you have your own words, please do so. But if you're not sure what to say, you can follow me in your heart. Okay, let me pray, let me pray for you. Feel free to follow me, and then we'll take questions. Dear God, I'm sorry for rejecting and ignoring you. I acknowledge that I've been living my own way 
and need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe that he took the punishment that I deserve by dying on the cross so that I can be forgiven. I believe that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me for my sins and live within me by your spirit. I commit to following Jesus and living for him as the one in charge of my life. Amen. Amen. If you say that prayer in your heart, please, please let someone know today.